This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Thank you for everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. We're getting closer to the one-year anniversary. I've had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders and certainly hope it has been beneficial. In addition, thank you for all the support you have provided on the book that was recently published, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are, you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. Paperback, ebook, and audiobook are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple. I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. He grew up thinking he wanted to be a high school athletic director. He was then able to get involved in the sports business and has now worked in the NBA, NFL, MLB, and college athletics. His dream has come true in a much bigger way than even he expected. I'm excited to have the Senior Associate Director of Athletics and Chief Athletics Operating Officer of Villanova, Ashwin Puri. Ashwin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Travis. Appreciate it. Ashwin, I'm very excited to share your entire career and life journey. And let's start with your current role, where you've now been with Villanova for almost two years. You're the liaison between the athletics department, Villanova Sports Property and Legends, and will assist in the oversight of external operations, ticket operations, travel, equipment, and Nike partnerships. Sounds like a lot. So let's tell the listeners, what's the day-to-day look like for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So um, at Villanova, I have the pleasure of sort of doing both an external uh, role as well as an internal role. Um, and, and it encompasses everything from the managing the budget and working with our business office uh, to generating revenue. Um, so, so all revenue in, you know, in, in going and, and, uh, and outgoing, um, you know, and then generally though, like my day is so broad, like similar to, to what I just discussed, I, I can get in, involved in anything from a social and digital uh, strategy discussion to budget allocations to meeting with coaches and or student athletes, um, just about culture around programs, upcoming games, mentoring, you know, student athletes looking for internships or jobs. Um, so it's, it's all encompassing. And one of the reasons why I love college athletics is because, you know, it allows someone like me who, you know, if I, if I was in the pros or I chose to stay in the pros, I'm more focused on the business side here. I get to do a little bit of everything. I get to work with the coaches, um, get to work with student athletes, which is again, the best part of my job. Um, so a lot of fun. No, absolutely. You know, we talked about professional sports and a lot of professional sports have kind of similar structures, right. And similar verticals. So there at Villanova, what's your current staff look like and kind of the makeup of the responsibilities. 
Yeah. So uh, we've, we've got a head of our business office, um, an associate athletic director who manages sort of budget, procurement, uh, business contracts, all of those things. So he and I work hand in hand in, in, in that entire operation, right? Supporting um, the financial operations and business operations of our entire athletic department. Um, and, and he's got a staff underneath him that manages travel, uh, the equipment room, um, you know, and then just general business office functions. So we've got a great team on that side, on the internal side of the business, so to speak. And then the external side, um, you know, we've got a head of ticketing. We, uh, you mentioned we do partner with, um, with Fox, now Playfly Sports, for our multimedia corporate partnerships. So we've got a GM there and a sales and, uh, and activation staff um, that we work with on a day-to-day basis there. Uh, we've got Legends, who manages our in-house sales marketing. They also work with our fundraising team to generate annual fund dollars. So we've got a team there. So it's pretty broad. Um, it's, it's, it's large, like I said. Um, but, um, you know, then we've, we've got an in-house marketing team that manages all of our fan experience, our digital strategy, um, you know, game operations. So everything. Marketing in athletics, in college athletics, is, is very wide, right? When you, when you go in the pros, it's, it's sort of um, specialized. You've got your game operations team. You've got your, uh, you know, your, your maybe your, your revenue generating marketing team. You got a corporate partnerships marketing team. Um, we're, we're a little more broad, jack of all trades on our marketing side, which is a lot of fun to do too. Cause again, you get exposed to everything. So, and absolutely, you know, no different than what you mentioned, right? There's uh, all kinds of verticals, whether you're in professional collegiate minor league sports, but at the end of the day, you're still doing a lot of the same X's and O's and, you know, there at Villanova, you guys have 24 varsity sports. You work very closely with the men's basketball program as well as lacrosse and soccer. And so let's talk men's basketball. You know, the head coach Jay Wright has been well known for building great teams, recruiting some of the best talent, one of the better coaches of all time. And, you know, as you watch him and his team, what stands out in their recruiting strategy? Watching Jay and his staff work is remarkable, right? You talk about um, winning and building the culture that it takes to win and focusing. And, and they're really protective and very focused on that culture because um, that is the most important thing that ultimately manifests itself in multiple championships, right? And, and continued Big East um, championships, et cetera. So, uh, it's been really a pleasure to be honest with you. I mean, Jay and his staff are amazing. Um, I think they really, again, I mentioned culture, they focus on fit, right? They're, they're not focused on who's the best basketball player. I'm going to go out and, and try to get the best pure basketball player and ignore everything else. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, I think the first and foremost they focus on is the fit. How does that person fit within their culture, within their team, with with how you know what they're trying to accomplish day to day and improvement and get better, et cetera? So, um, I think I think it speaks to uh, what should be important um, to to most organizations, right? Fit is quite literally the most important thing. You know, um, one of my bosses, the athletic director at Cal, while I was there, Mike Williams, um, used to say things like, "You're going to have a culture whether you choose one or not, so you probably should choose a good one." Yeah. Right? Um, Makes a ton and of so sense. you've got the, the, yeah, the meeting, you've got to be intentional about it. And, and part of being intentional about culture is hiring the right people that buy in. Um, so, you know, and, and my current boss, Mark, Mark Jackson talks about hiring. Uh, one of his mentors actually talks about hiring slowly and terminating quickly, right? Like when you know, someone's not the right fit, you got to get them out because, you know, they, they can impact culture. Um, you know, and, and it's really important to vet. So I, I think that's that's the biggest thing, right? Like if you're recruiting, you're, you're hiring talent, you're bringing people in the organization, you got to 
protect the culture you're building. Um, and it's, it's really nice to see that in basketball and then across the board in our athletics department. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned like a lot of this is a ton of similarities, right? So you talk about how any of the sports teams are t- focused on culture and recruiting the best talent. So now you've been on both sides. You're seeing recruiting the best talent, the best people and the best culture from a sports end, but also hiring top sales and business level talent. What are some of the key characteristics that stand out in both of those? Yeah, I think someone that um, approaches things with a team first attitude, you know, in sales, just like on the court, individual recognition comes um, when you hit your goals and everything. But I think the, the someone that recognizes that they're only as good as sort of the team they're a part of. Um, and yes, they may be the highest seller or the, the largest point scorer. But ultimately, like it's it's a it's a team success. You have team goals, organizational goals, and everyone has to be sort of running in that that same direction. So, someone that recognizes team first is always I, one of the most important characteristics. Um, Scott O'Neill, at uh, when when I worked for uh, his organization in in Teambo, um, used to talk about squirrels. We don't want squirrels. We want team first people who share information, who work together collaboratively. Um, so, I, I think that again, that that's one of the most important things. You know, and then. There's always this intrinsic drive, you, your hustle. Well, you talked about it uh, in, in the title of this podcast and every day of your life, probably like you got to have the want to do um, and, and the hustle. Uh, and it can't, you know, managers are managers jobs are to try to maximize talent, right. And maximize, you know, every day, get the, the most out of their employees and the team. But if, if your team doesn't have it in them to want it and to hustle, uh, you're going to struggle. Right. And that's, again, going back to hiring, it's really important. Like um, you got to, you got to see that one. So team first attitude, the hustle, the work ethic, um, you know, and then the best basketball players, the best student athletes that we see are similar to the best salespeople that I've managed before. They want to continue to get better and want to continue to learn. Um, I think those are, those are, and as you progress in your career, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit later in, in what I would recommend, like continue be hungry to learn every day. Even if you're the smartest person in the room and, and oftentimes, I never am by the way, but I'm surrounded by really smart people at the time. None of them act like it and they all want to continue to learn and they value everybody's feedback and experience, right? So continue to learn. I think that's great advice, right? From, from the listeners, whether you're a current leader and you're looking to recruit the best talent and build the best culture, or you're looking to get in this business or your next opportunity, you've got to have that team first mentality, the work ethic. We talk a lot about that, obviously the hustle in the podcast, but then yes, the coachability, the ability to always be learning no matter what role you're in. So, so ton of great advice. And Ashwin, you're obviously on campus on a daily basis, but there's a lot of traveling from, from both your end as well as the team's end. So many times on 52 weeks of hustle here, we've discussed the importance of communication and efficiency. So given that you and everyone else may be in different cities at different times, how do you maintain that constant communication and ultimately accountability? Yeah. And again, some of it comes into the culture you build, right? Um, I, I think, you know, this pandemic has given us a chance to really back up a little bit and determine like what makes sense, right? The old way of doing things of everyone in the office at the same time and, and whatever, or traveling and some people in the office may not make sense moving forward, right? Um and it allows us to sort of rethink efficiencies and other things. But anyway, like communication, it comes down to the what to share, um, building a culture of, again, like giving people freedom to, to get, to be clearly outline expectations, goals, you know, their job responsibilities, giving them the freedom to do 
um, do it however they so choose and, and then deliver the results back. And as long as, as long as folks are getting things done, I, I think we, um, our culture speaks to complete freedom, right? Um, which, which is great because it puts the onus on the employee uh, and the teammate to get things done and really um, hold themselves accountable, which I think is important. But, but ultimately, like, it's, it's always a challenge when you're not there. You got to have a lot of trust. You got to have a lot of trust in your team and, and um, uh, teammates and employees um, and the department in general to be able to operate um, when, when people are all over the place. And again, I, like I said, this pandemic has been an amazing awakening because I think it's, it's proven that, you know, again, that's the culture that we have, um, that we've built and, uh, and, and it's awesome. Oh, absolutely. So when you think about, you know, typically on a professional sports level, right, you, you kind of have that one goal, maybe you have a, a cross property, you have a couple properties there at Villanova and with any collegiate athletics, and we'll get to your time in Cal as well. You know, you've got 20 plus, you know, sports teams, all different types of budgets. Like how do you ultimately look at the end of the year from you and your team and say, Hey, this was either a, a successful year. Or, hey, here's the areas we need to improve on because you may have crushed it in one end and maybe fell short of budget in another. Yeah. So um, purely from a business perspective. Yeah. We look, we look at, uh, you know, the bottom line, did you, did you control expenses and did you generate revenues? Did you fundraise, et cetera? And how do they, um, you know, how does that measure up uh, dollar for dollar? Um, I also think, you know, the, the, the fun for me in college athletics is it's not just about a win or a loss or did you make money or didn't you? Uh, it's, it's more about, did we graduate our student athletes? Um, are they all gamefully employed when they graduate or following the career path they so choose if they want to go pros or if they want to go to the Olympics or if they want to um, continue their education, you know, get a master's degree. Um, so I, there's so many um, metrics, right? Um, we've got all of the academic metrics. We've got all of the job, you know, graduating um, post-graduation metrics. We've got, we've got the financials and we've got the competition. So, so it's a lot. So, um, and again, every program is different, right? Um, there's some, some programs have what we call are fully funded uh, means they have all the resources that the NCA allows other programs are building them up um, to, to that, to that financial commitment level. So um, I think based on the commitment the university is making, we evaluate programs a little bit differently, right? And some are cyclical, right? We, we just lost a big recruiting class. We have a bunch of freshmen coming in. Expectations maybe on the competition side or win-loss side might be different than another program. So, um, you know, I think it's all very specific to the situation that every program's in. But uh, again, it speaks to um, the breadth of our responsibilities here. And it, it makes it a lot of fun every day. As you say, starting almost at the beginning, right? Every day is completely different and you never know where you're going to end up, what curveball may be thrown at you, but you got to attack it. And, you know, so Ash, you, we're going to get into all of your stops in your career, but prior to Villanova, you were with the Oakland A's and MLB for two years as the vice president of sales and strategy. And so what, you know, we've talked a little bit about pro versus college, but what were some of the similarities and differences working for that one team and venue versus kind of what you're doing now? Yeah, look, I think, I think the principles um, regardless of where you are, right. In, 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 in any, almost any industry are the same, right. You got to work hard. You got to have some intrinsic motivation and want to do things. You got to be a great team player. And that translates, right. And we talked about on the court with basketball to the business of college athletics and, and, and everything in between. So I'd say that's similar, right. To, um, yep. to the pros, I think one of the, uh, 
differences though is like the fact and you mentioned it it's one team we've got you know in in mlb you got 162 regular season games and 80 80 or so home games and you're focused on how to maximize every single one of those 80 plus opportunities to engage and grow your fan base to grow revenues to activate great corporate partnerships and to give back in the community right um, and i think the A's do a great job at uh, at some of those things too um so it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm, you know, we had a fun organization too. The organization um, was on a quest to build a new ballpark. They still are in Oakland. Uh, it was a lot of fun working with uh, Dave Cavill and Chris Giles and, uh, and some of the other folks that, uh, that I got to work with there. Great people, a lot of fun. Um, you know, baseball's a lot of games, uh, but we, we had a nice, uh, we had a nice balance. Like we're still, we're able to balance the family uh, commitments that we have all and all of us, had families and kids and, and et cetera. So it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of fun to be a part of that. Nice. And you know, while you're with the A's, you led some very in, you know, innovative initiatives like the A's access pass, which was a new membership program. And so can you just provide the listeners into an insight into why you guys ended up developing that pass? Yeah. So interesting, right? Every team has unique challenges. And, and I think you experienced some of them at your prior stop too, right? Um, when you're a, a lower demand team, um, you need to sort of rethink because doing what you guys have been, we, we had been doing for 50 plus years in Oakland, right? Like was working to a certain extent. If we won, it was helpful. But when we lost, we weren't necessarily generating right, the right uh, attendance numbers and, and revenue. So uh, we decided to experiment, right? And, and we were also focused on the new ballpark too. So that was another um, big North Star for the organization. And so our, our whole intent was to grow the fan base, so we needed, we decided that selling the same old ticket packages, uh, marketing it the same way uh, was not working for us. Um, you know, so, so we, had, we had a ton of learnings, but we, we just created a, a package, a season ticket membership that had a ton of value, um, 50% off concessions. Like we made it so appealing that you just, you, you had to buy. And we no sold brainer. a ton. Yeah, no brainer. We, we sold, I mean, we grew, I forget the percentages at this point. It's been, it's been a couple of years, um, but we grew memberships substantially. Now it impacted other areas of the business, right? So like you, you, there's a give and take the 50% off concessions, especially when the majority of your attendees at any given um, event are FSEs now, yeah. and they're taking advantage of that 50% off impacts the concession business. So, you know, what was most important? And we just decided fan acquisition, getting people in the pipeline to grow into more packages, especially as, again, we had our uh, eyeball center, new ballpark was important and delivering a high level of customer service too. So we expanded our, um, our membership, like service team um, and, and our sales team as we did this to make sure that people had someone to talk to, got their problem solved, you know, et cetera. So it was, it was pretty fun. And again, our, our situation unique, very similar to what you were dealing with in South Florida. Um, and so I think it called for something unique and different. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so along those lines, what advice do you have for the listeners in regards to being innovative and ultimately taking some of those calculated chances that you guys did? Yeah, I, I think, um, look, uh, I, I forget what uh, scientists or philosophers said, said this, but if, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Right. And I I think pro sports teams or any sports organization has, has become accustomed to do what they do. Some do certain things. Well, some, you know, can do find improvements, but um, I think when you're in a situation where there's an opportunity for massive improvement, right. And we were a very low, um, low demand situation, try anything, right. 
again, vet it properly, make sure the numbers will add up, make sure you're not going to kill your business or hurt it. Um, like, like comping tickets is always a challenge, even though it may boost attendance long-term, you're, right. you're sort of devaluing season ticket. Uh, but, but you, there's no reason why not to try some sampling programs and some comp programs or whatever. So like, I think you just have to be very well thought out. Um, but if you're not continuing to innovate, um, someone's going to do it. Someone's going to, someone's going to take credit for it in the future. You're going to miss an opportunity. Um, and so I, you know, I think it's, it's constant. It's just like continued learning. You have to be re- rethinking even successful teams, right? Like um, I would venture to say that the 76ers who are selling games out, they've got a great encore product are continuing to rethink their business from sponsorships to ticketing to everything that goes for all the other successful teams, not only in Philly, but, but the, the country. And so um, I, I, I put that out there. You, you constantly evolve or um, you know, you're going to get passed. You're going to passed up. Yeah. And Ash, this is a great lead way into the next one. You know, prior to the A's, you spent five and a half years in that college space at the University of California, Berkeley, as first the associate athletic director and then the chief revenue officer and senior associate AD. And there you're responsible. We talk about innovation for leading all revenue generation efforts. And you actually created an entire sales and service culture and organization, which at the time was kind of unheard of in that college landscape. And so what were some of the initial challenges that you had to overcome in in the creation of that? Yeah, we were one of the first in-house like ticket sales operations that would mirror the professional sports uh, setup. Right. Um, So, you know, like not most, most colleges at that point, there were a handful that did something similar, but they outsourced it all through one of the various, you know, third parties. Um, and one of the challenges was how do you, how do you identify the right people to talk to, right? You've got, you've got your fundraising arm um, working to generate, you know, millions of dollars in, in giving. And then you've got your sort of business revenue arm, which is what this was transacting. And yes, we were delivering customer service, but the most important thing was to get people, to sample our product and then, and then go over fundraising. So it was more of a, like we had to over-communicate and I, I wish I could go back to my first, you know, few months on campus. And I think I did an okay job of this, but I think it would have helped me later on. And instead of focusing on building a culture that I thought was right, um, building relationships first and then start to sell in the culture. And I think I rushed too fast. And again, I was a little experienced. I was younger I, I was more, way more aggressive bull in a China shop type. <laughs> and I think I went in thinking, I'm going to build this culture. It's going to be great. We're going to be just like a pro sports organization and stuff. And there's differences. And so, you know, your part, you, you have to remember too, when you go on a college campus, you are one small part of the bigger institution, right? You've got deans of colleges and, and, and different um, academics units. You've got central campus business operations, all these things, right? You've got intramurals rec, and then you've got athletics too. And yes, sometimes, oftentimes it's the front porch of the university, especially at division one level. It gives a lot of community engagement, alumni engagement and, and um, brand recognition. But you have to remember you're one piece of it. So building strong relationships across the board is key. No, absolutely. And so we'll certainly dive into your professional and your other professional sports experiences. But did you always know, like after your time, you know, there at Cal, Cal Berkeley and you, know, you built a lot of great things, you had five and a half years there that you ultimately wanted to get back to college? Yeah. You know, it wasn't, I love my experience at Cal. And when I went to the A's, I saw, I didn't have to move. I didn't have to relocate. It was a really exciting time for that organization talking about a new ballpark. Um, So it sort of piqued my interest as just a major challenge. Plus, you know, 
being being part of someone, uh, you know, an ownership group and a, and a president who wanted to revitalize that brand was also appealing to. Um, and so that that's why I left. I think shortly after leaving, I realized a couple things. Um, I really missed college athletics. I took for granted uh, being on a college campus and what that did for me personally and like the energy that I took from being around, you know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young people every day. Um, and I, I love the fact, and again, this is um, this is for me, right? I love the fact that my job now is not just about a win and a loss. It's not just about, did I make money or didn't I? It's about, you know, mentoring student athletes, giving them the, the a, a great opportunity um, to better their lives and then um, continue on to do great things and take on the world. So, yeah, I think once, once I was at the A's and again, I love my experience there for two years, but I definitely missed college athletics and I knew um, when my time uh, came to leave the A's, my next job was going to be back in college athletics. I was absolutely certain. Um, pretty quickly. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Ashwin Puri, Senior Associate Director of Athletics and Chief Athletics Operating Officer at Villanova. And so, Ash, we've discussed your stops in college and MLB. And prior to those, you had two stints in the NBA league office with a quick stop, you know, for a couple of years, the New York Jets in between. And we've had several Teambo guests on the show. As you look at your experience, you know, traveling around, sharing some of the best practices with some, some of the best in the business, what stands out from your time meeting with some of those most successful people in the industry? Yeah, one of the greatest things about Teambo is 
your, um, at the time, I think it was like between 55 and 60 organizations when you factor in NBA, NBA Development League, and the WNBA, you're exposed to 55 to 60 different ways of doing things. And, and that's so awesome because uh, what works for one organization may not work for something else tactically or strategically, but there's overall principles, right? There's cultural principles. Um, there's, you know, organizational principles that, that translate. And it was nice to see that reinforce sort of what we were doing at Teambo and then seeing it in action um, locally in markets. And uh, I, like I said, I, that was one of the most formidable um, stretches of my career, right? Uh, because you learn so much and you're exposed to so much and working with people in Teambo, they're just um, some of the brightest minds in the sports business. So I, I loved my time there. Um, you know, traveling can be challenging when you're, you're on the road, you know, this well traveling. Yep. Hey, basically traveling from Monday night to Friday morning, you know, um, but, uh, but, but sans the travel, gosh, it was an amazing experience. Right. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever trade it back. A lot of people ask like, what was it like? And, and I would not be where I am today if it weren't for being exposed to that experience. Right. I learned how to you know, become a better presenter. Um, I learned how to properly articulate, you know, um, change recommendations and change to organizations. Um, and I learned a, a hell of a lot about like the financial operations of pro sports, right? I wasn't necessarily exposed to that when I was on the sales and marketing Jeez. side of pro sports. Yeah. So um, it was a lot of fun. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned a couple of times right there, you know, it was a constant learning experience and I would agree. And I, you know, every guest that we've had from a Teambo experience is talking about learning throughout this podcast, we've talked a lot about being coachable, being willing to evolve, being able to learn. So I think a lot of our listeners are probably like, yeah, I'm coachable. I'm always wanting to learn. What did you see at your time at Teambo when you're meeting with owners and, and top level executives of how you knew they were willing to learn? And what, like, how did they accomplish things? And what were they willing to implement that you could tell when you walked out of there? You know what? They actually learned today and they're going to apply it. Yeah, well, um, you could easily tell there were some that were extremely defensive about, <laughs> about yep. their, their operation, right? So some executives who really weren't interested in change. Um, and then there were some that would yes you to death and, and then probably not do much. Um, but I think the ones that asked a lot of questions, the ones that um, engaged, especially when you're talking um, with, you know, presenting a case with supporting data um, and, and developing your story, ones that were really engaged. And also um, when you were able to pinpoint a problem or, or an opportunity, so to speak, that they also believed was an opportunity was always fun too. Whenever you were lockstep. Right. Um, So I, you know, and again, I, I think um, it comes down to, to some organizations that were really successful um, that didn't necessarily need, uh, or think they needed any help. And then organizations that were a little more scrappy and, and saw the opportunity in front of them. That that was also a major difference. No, absolutely. And, and so prior to joining the NBA league office, you know, you had spent five and a half years with the New Jersey Nets. You were a top seller. Then you ultimately transitioned into leadership. And as you think back at your first leadership role, what are some adjustments you've made from then till now in regards to kind of your leadership style? And, and again, kind of almost going back, what did you learn? Yeah, you know, when you're a young manager, and I was all I was selling and managing at the same time, and I worked for our director, I was assistant director at the time, our director of uh, group sales, Frank Sullivan, um, you know, my first boss in sports, uh, or full time job in sports. Um, 
you know, I think I learned like how to one communicate with him and, and continue to learn from him. Um, also help him take on some different responsibilities and sort of find ways to uh, just support him as best I could. Right. And, and, and be very proactive in, in that sense. Um, and then management is not, uh, there's a transition from peer and become being chummy and friendly with someone to continuing to have that relationship because you need that, right? You need the rapport and trust and all those things um, to, to sort of being more authoritative and maybe directional uh, in how you dealt with things there. And so uh, it was a great learning experience. So it was sort of a hybrid role. So I wasn't just thrust automatically into the expectations of leading and managing. So I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a nice soft sort of transition. It was wonderful. I learned a ton uh, management is not a one size fits all. I think that was the biggest thing. I, you know, I had some great teammates, um, uh, ticket sellers that are still selling tickets for various teams and, uh, you know, interacting with all of them were very different, right? Um, some were, some were older, some were younger, some were experienced, some were less experienced. Um, some were successful, some needed coaching day to day. Uh, so it was figuring out kind of what, what, uh, each person's need was, um, and then how to try to help Frank to maximize, you know, their potential. No, absolutely. And Ash, you've had a great career. And, you know, now as you think back to your time, I have some questions kind of in regards to all your stops, because you've been around the league level, the collegiate level, the professional sports. And, you know, I think first, you know, for a lot of listeners, maybe they're looking to get in this business. You know, people always talk about, oh, I've wanted to work for my favorite team or in their favorite sport, you know, and you've worked in all those different types. Why is that really not important? And what do you think is most important? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, when I graduated UMass, I wanted to be the president of the Oakland Raiders. I'm a huge Raider <laughs> fan. I, I know people in the organization now. They're great people. I love the fact that I can still randomly text them after a loss and be a curmudgeon jokingly, <laughs> uh, and not have to sort of live it and then also win and celebrate and text those guys. Um, or I wanted to be the athletic director at UMass, um, you know, because I, was, I, where I graduated from my favorite, you know, college. And, and I think um, what I've found generally is like, that's all fun. Working for your working for your uh, team though doesn't it it you, you can you can become a fan of whatever organization you're in if that's sort of important to you um, just because again it's about team it's about building you're part of the organization uh, you're rallying to accomplish things you celebrate together it become you become a fan just because you're there right and it becomes just as exciting um, but I kind of like the separation personally now. Yeah. Uh, who knows? You know, you never know what can happen in this business. I'm not going to say I would never work for any of these organizations, but it's, it's kind of fun sort of being a fan and separating it from work. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so I, like, I, I don't view a certain brands, the most important thing. I think it's, it's the culture, it's the fit. Um, that's the more important thing than whether you are a fan of, or a, if it was a dream job of yours or not outside looking in um, again, going back to going back to that fit is the most important thing, the culture, and, um, and who you work for, to be honest, the people finding the right boss, um, and, and, and meshing with them is critical to your happiness and theirs and your longevity too. You know, I, I used to always ask when, when I ask people, you know, why they want to work here. And if they said like, Oh, I'm a diehard fan of this team or this sport. My answer is you should buy season tickets. You know, if yeah. you're truly wanting, because it's the right people, the right fit, the right culture, like that's the most important thing. And, you know, as you think about your career and if a listener really wants to get into that college space, do you have an opinion on, Hey, should you go work in professional sports first? Hey, should you go work collegiately? Or what is your opinion on that? 
Yeah, look, I, I think you can start anywhere. Um, however, I think it's it's the type of career you want. If you want to get into NCA compliance, probably you need your you know lot of lot of compliance directors and and um, and leaders have law degrees. So you, you start there and you sort of work up that chain of command. Maybe being a lawyer is important. Maybe um, going right into college athletics and being another type of administrator while you get you know that experience is important. So I think it just depends on the, the area that you're interested in. Um, but if you're an exter- on the external side, meaning like customer facing, fundraising, sales marketing, I think the skills are all transferable. Um, you know, there, there's not that big of a difference between selling something and trying to fundraise for something. It's a little bit nuanced, right? How you make the ask, um, you know, fundraising, you don't necessarily try to close as hard. Maybe you sort of just give the person opportunities by listening to them. But again, it's, you're learning, you're listening, you're presenting a solution, right? Um, yep. So all that stuff similar. So I think if you're more focused on the external side, doesn't matter where you start. It's totally transferable. If you're looking at the internal side, same thing, I think from a business office perspective, how you manage a budget is extremely transferable, yep. right? Um, I think, but uh, there's some nuance to college, just like there's nuance to pros, you should probably pick or choose if you're in one of those specific areas. Um, but again, I, I started minor league baseball. I thought it was the best experience of my life. Two years interning with the Somerset Patriots who, um, who are now are leaving independently and going, uh, they're uh, uh, I think double A affiliate to the, uh, the Yankees, um, which is a big deal for them as an organization. But that was the best. I mean, I was pulling tarp I was cleaning garbage cans, power washing garbage cans, cleaning bathrooms as an intern. Like you are not above anything. As you say, you talk about work ethic. There it is. It is crazy. I, I remember the first, my first day, um, I, you know, I left UMass uh, that semester, came down to start my internship. It was the first of 10 straight days uh, of a homestand and it was raining. And so I'm like, they're like, Hey, we got to pull tarp. I'm like, I, what, what do you, what do you mean? Pull tarp? So like, pulling tarp, you're squeegeeing off the water. I mean, it was just remarkable. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I would say to anyone that asks, start in minor league baseball because you just, it is a great foundation. You're exposed to anything and everything. No, absolutely. You know, even to that point, you mentioned you went on to, to go to UMass, receive a degree in sports management. You grew up in New Jersey. You're number three out of four kids. So I'm sure you had to fight for everything that I'm sure helped instill that work ethic. And, you know, as, as you were growing up prior to, to UMass, was there a job or something that solidified, you know what, I, I'm going to get my sports management degree and I'm going to work in sports? You know, I, I, I in high school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, and I was looking at colleges. And I remember my guidance counselor at the time, you know, I was an athlete in high school, if you call it, if you call it that, I, I was okay. I'm sure you <laughs> still have got it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and, and my high school guidance counselor was like, oh, you know, um, you mentioned business as something you might be interested in. Well, there's sports business. Like there, there's, you can, you can go to the front office of a pro team or work in a college athletic department. And, um, you know, I'd always admired our, high school athletic director, this guy, Bob Rossi at the time at hundred century was there for several years, really cool, kind guy who just was friendly. And, and I like what he did. He was always at games. He was always organizing, calling the schedule. He was, you know, working to find the best coaches for our kids. He was procuring equipment and other things. And so I, I thought I wanted to do that. And say, so you know, I sort of followed that path. Um, as, as, as you mentioned earlier, and, uh, and I ended up at UMass to, to get my sports management degree. And that was great. UMass was one of the best sport management programs in the country. Um, I got in. And uh, so at that point, again, it became a no brainer to go there and, and follow my passion. 
Now, this has been a, a very fun conversation. Obviously, a lot of stops, a lot of experiences, a lot of innovative ideas. As you look back entire, at your entire career, what's been your best me- memory? I just, this is corny, but it's the relationships. I've got, you know, I've got college friends. I've got high school friends I still stay in contact with. But as big a part of my life is the relationships I built in, in the various stops that I've had. Um, you know, whether it's mentors and friends or, you know, it's, it's peers and coworkers that have become family, right? Go to their weddings. You, you're around, um, you're around their kids when they're born. I, I think the relationships is the best part by far. It's just awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, like there's been a lot of fun successes, been a, won a championship in minor league baseball. I've been to, uh, a couple, uh, NBA finals with the Nets. Um, I've been a couple AFC championship games with the Jets, I've uh, been to a sweet 16 now and, and a Cementia tournament to Cal and now sweet 16 at Nova. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of on court stuff and, and on the field stuff that's been fun to be a part of, but um, relationships trump it all. They go a long way. Washman, well, you're an SBJ 40 under 40 winner and certainly great ton of great advice. Fun to hear about your journey in both the professional and collegiate level. And so to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. If you could be any kitchen utensil, what would you be and why? I'm going to go with the spork, even though it's probably not a common kitchen utensil because it's you can do everything with it. You can yeah. use it as a knife, use it as a fork, use it as a spoon, um, like being versatile. Perfect. And, you know, now we talk about evolving, you know, the cell phone is, is something that everybody's had to evolve to. As you look at that, what's your most used emoji? Oh, <laughs> easy. It's the, uh, it's the peace sign partially because of that Villanova now. And that's our, uh, you know, that's our hand signal to everyone to sort of acknowledge each other. It goes so, hand in hand. Yeah. Looking at, uh, you know, some of your free time with your family, you know, maybe you watch some TV. If you watch reality TV, what show would you be on? There, there's two that stand out. My wife and I have been watching reruns of shark tank. I love that yeah. show. That is just awesome. Um, and every I, time I watch it, I'm like, Damn it! I should have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we watched we watched one last night, and uh, it was just it, it, the funniest thing. I'm like, man, that's wow! Like, I, it's in front of us every day. You know these these products. Yep. Um, and then just uh, for fun, I'd love to be on Below Deck. I, it just seems like a, I'd love to be on a boat, a yacht, traveling all over the uh, the you know deep blue sea. Yeah, so. that'd be a fun experience. Well, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? You know, I think we talked about it. It's continue, continue to learn, be open-minded, um, soak in as much knowledge as you can and, uh, um, and continue to evolve. Right. Like I think that, 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 that continue learning, um, be proactive in every single thing that you do, right. Attack, attack, attack. Um, and, and, and again, don't, don't wait for things to happen in front of you. Just be proactive. Um, and if you can do that, and then I, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it, but take, take a risk, Go put yourself out there um, and network um, and don't, don't worry about getting rejected. Go talk to people and interview for jobs and, and, and take risk to meet people and talk to people. And, and maybe there's a job you don't think you're qualified for that you got offered or something, or it's uncomfortable and it's change and you're not sure. Um, that's not a bad feeling to have, right? Make yourself uncomfortable a little bit, challenge yourself and um, it'll help you in the long term. Ton of great advice. You know, I couldn't agree more. I mean, a lot of this podcast, we talked about learning and evolving, but being proactive, 
thinking innovatively. And you're absolutely right. Take a risk, whether it be on that first opportunity, whether it be while you're in the role of what you're doing to, to get better and to grow the business. And so, Ash, thank you so much. You certainly had a great career and a fun journey. And it's a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Appreciate it, Travis. I'm flattered you thought of me uh, for this podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.